The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. The male figure in Lamentations chapter 3 has been identified with a number of different suffering persons in the Bible. Some say it's Jeremiah, some say he's Job, some say Jehoiachin or Zedekiah, the last kings of Jerusalem. But the truth is, uh, Lamentations chapter 3 doesn't really fit with any of those persons or anyone else that we know of. The suffering figure in Lamentations chapter 3 has gone through the devastating ordeal of the fall of Jerusalem and all of the pillaging, rape, and horrors that accompanied that by the Neo-Babylonian tyrants. And so in Lamentations 3, when the male figure speaks, he's essentially a um, male counterpart to Lady Jerusalem, who has been weeping in Lamentations chapter 1 and Lamentations 2. Now in Lamentations 3, uh, we'll focus today just on three verses, verses 22, 23, 24, and those verses are associated with the letter Kaf in the Hebrew alphabet. So verses 1, 2, and 3 start with the letter Aleph. Uh, verses 4, 5, and 6 start with the letter Bet, all the way from Aleph to Tav, A to Z, all the way through the Hebrew alphabet, 66 verses three times over in Lamentations 3. Uh, this alphabetical acrostic that covers the whole alphabet is thought to um, maybe in an artificial structural way draw attention to the complete suffering that the people of Judah have faced uh, during this uh, time of devastation upon Jerusalem. And it's more than just the physical devastation and the exile from their homes. And it's more than even just the loss of the city, the king, and even the destruction of the temple. This reality seems to contradict everything that the people thought they knew about the Lord and about theology. The Lord had made forever promises to Abraham, to David, and people had for a long time in Judah thought, this city will never fall. This temple will never fall. God has promised forever to keep a Davidic king on the throne. And we look back and we, say, we think, what did they think when the prophets told them that if they didn't stop turning away from God and rebelling against this covenant, the doom would fall upon them? Yet somehow the majority of Judeans missed that. And so reality seemed to contradict uh, everything that they believed. In Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 24, the male figure uses three uh, key terms as an allusion to uh, Scripture. And we know when Moses uh, was on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments written in stone, the people were down below, and they were um, breaking the first two commandments in a very licentious way. And because of this rebellion, the Lord swore to kill all Israel. And Moses begged him, he pleaded with him, and the Lord relented. He decided not to kill all Israel, 
but he would forgive them. And as part of this forgiveness, the Lord revealed himself to Moses. We call that revelation the attribute formula. And it's in the attribute formula that these three terms appear, that the um, male figure from Lamentations turns to. And we read in Exodus chapter 34, starting in verse 6, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Uh, when, God, you, when God revealed himself to Moses, he uses these key terms, uh, love. Now, this is a little bit different than uh, the modern term love, and sort of the modern world hasn't helped us out with this. Many moderns, when they think of love, it's something that maybe we learned about at the movies. Um, people think that love is a feeling that a person gets when they're kissing someone that they really are into. Or maybe it's a feeling someone gets if they wish they were kissing someone. But the Hebrew term here is uh, chesed, and it more has this sense of um, uh, covenantal loyalty. It has nothing to do with holding hands, uh, kissing goodbye, or um, feelings at all. It's about God's commitment to be faithful to what he swore to his people. The term compassion has a very rich sense. In Hebrew, it's a, a term rachamim, and it's very similar to the term racham, which means womb. And these kindred terms, we know they're associated womb and compassion. We're not quite sure the connection, but I think uh, scholars can see the really the sense of moving from the womb and its protection of new, vulnerable life to the compassion uh, that one would have for someone in need. And that compassion isn't something always, always that makes sense, but it's the kind of compassion that goes beyond sense for God to even forgive people that don't deserve forgiveness. Faithfulness is pretty straightforward. It is God doing what he said he would do. He made promises to the Hebrew ancestors, and practically the rest of the Bible is about God working out and fulfilling his word. Now, when the male figure in Lamentations uses these rich terms, love, uh, compassion, and faithfulness, he does so because of what God revealed to Moses. And it wasn't just a one-off back at the mountain. The male figure of Lamentations recognizes that even in the devastating loss of Jerusalem, that this truth holds true. And so when God forgave Israel long ago, the male figure knows that he said to Moses again, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and the gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And then listen to how the male figure says it in Lamentations 3. 
Because of Yahweh's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, Yahweh is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The male figure of Lamentations uses the cosmic symbol of mourning. Mourning is regular. Every dark night, no matter how dark it is, there's an inevitability that mourning follows upon it. That is the sort of love, compassion, and faithfulness that the male figure in Lamentations wants to uh, attribute to the Lord God himself. He uses the attribute formula for the sense, but he loads this upon the cosmic figure of mourning. The people of Jerusalem had lost everything, but even though all those other symbols that they associated with God, what he had done for them, their city, the people, the temple, uh, although those were lost, their God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and whether they're in captivity or not, the sun rises every morning. Now, elsewhere in scripture, uh, the prophet Jeremiah he uses these same cosmic figures, but in a different way. Uh, we're familiar with the New Covenant, but we don't, often don't read the very next verses. The verses directly after the New Covenant um, say this. Jeremiah says, This is what Yahweh says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, Yahweh Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares Yahweh, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. And we notice the different way that Jeremiah and the male figure of Lamentations use these same co cosmic images. For Jeremiah, the sun and the moon endure in a way that shows that his faithfulness to Israel, his covenant will endure forever. But that's not what the uh, male figure of lamentation says. He uses the same cosmic realities, but not so much as how long it endures, but the daily renewal of God's faithfulness. Every day, morning breaks, and that is how often or how regular God's faithfulness, his Love, compassion, and faithfulness can be felt even by those under the worst suffering of exile. Now, the um, male figure adds one other thing. Uh, they had lost their homes, and so he uses this um, phrase, Yahweh is my portion. Now, this is an echo, and many commentators have noticed this, uh, of when God promised to the Levites and Aaron in the Torah. He said, Yahweh is your portion. I will be your portion. And the reason is because the priests and the Levites, they didn't get a, a land allotment like everyone else. The Lord was their portion. And so it, it is really not just poetic in the poetic sense of the term, but really 
profoundly shows the kind of connotations that the male figure has put on the cosmic symbols. Because Israel, uh, Judah rather, at this time, they might be hopeless in a sense because they're in captivity and everything in the world had gone against them. But because of God's promise, they can never really be homeless because their home no longer is associated with Jerusalem or Judah or the temple. But now they claim our portion is Yahweh. And I think as the, um, the university's hymn is Great is Thy Faithfulness, building off of these verses, it is such a great opportunity that we have uh, to join with the male figure of Lamentations, the people of Judah of old, and all those that are part of God's larger kingdom covenantal community. And when we sing God's praises like this, and we join with the male figure of Lamentations, it does not mean that our problems go away or we pretend everything's okay. Uh, many people suffer terrible things, many good Christian people, and it continues that way. But it is with the male figure of Lamentations that we can claim Yahweh as our own portion and we can trust in him because every day the sun comes up and the theological connotations that the scripture puts upon that, it renews our trust in him because of his love, faithfulness, and his compassion that we can claim Yahweh is my portion. <laughs>